Happy Thursday, everyone. It's Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. Hey, guys. Well, I have to start this pod with an apology, and that is if you are my avid fans, which I know there are just millions of you, all of you, wondering where I was last week. Um, I didn't drop a pod. That's the first time we've done that with zero warning. And there were a variety of reasons. I'll say first and foremost, I was traveling and I had a really chaotic travel schedule. And I just like sort of the night before a 6am flight to New York was like, I don't know how I'm going to pack in a pod and travel with all my gear. I just sort of was like, I don't know. I think we're all feeling like it can only do so much right now. Our minds are consumed with what's happening in the world. And I just was like, there's one thing I could take off my plate. And as much as I love doing this pod and talking and just, you know, connecting with you guys, it was the one thing I had to just take off my plate. And I didn't know that was going to happen until the last minute. So there was no podcast. There was no technical difficulties. It was simply Brooke difficulties. And it was my schedule and my soul as well, because I don't really know even last week, if I was ready to talk about anything pop culture and I'm still, I'm still like, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's still a weird time. It's going to be a weird time for a while. And I think that the, the reactions that we're seeing uh, around the world, just, it's just weighing on all of us and everybody is handling it differently. So I thought we could talk a little bit of fun pop culture because I think we do need an escape. And I had the privilege of speaking to some family members of hostages, um, Israeli hostages in Gaza. And one of the family members was a teenage boy. And when asked how he was doing, he said something along the lines of, I'm trying to also live my life. Like I've been told that I need to live my life. That would upset his family that he wasn't living his life. So he's not consumed with the fear and anxiety and tragedy 24-7 that he's able to escape it a little bit and talk to his friends and, you know, do school and all of that. And that's pretty powerful. So if he can do it, I certainly can think about uh, a little bit of pop culture to get our minds off of things. Let's get into that. And then I want to talk a little bit more about Israel, because I think there's some things that we can all collectively sort of, I don't know, think about. So if you read this week's newsletter, it was dedicated to the theme was Britney, all things Britney. I don't think we need to clarify which Britney I'm speaking about, but for those of you who might not know, it's Britney Spears and Britney Spears book drops this week. And it is a doozy. This is in the time machine. So I'm recording this on Tuesday, October 24th, I guess it is. So that's today's drop day. So the book is available now. I should be getting my hard copy any minute in the mail. Um, I'm also going to do the audible because... And this, I think, is a genius, genius move on whoever's part was the people behind it, is Michelle Williams, the incredible Oscar award winning actress, the sort of voice of her generation in many ways. And she's a uh, I think she's around Britney's age. She's a mom and she's had her own uh, set of tragedies. She was Heath Ledger's partner and um, her uh, oldest child is is Heath's 
child. So she has a lot, I think, to sort of relate to living in that life and, and loss and struggle. And so she's going to be reading Brittany's book. And I am really excited. It's The Woman in Me. And it's a it's supposed to be a real sort of grand reveal on a lot of things, but we've been given a few of those things in advance due to some of the uh, excerpts being given to media. One in which is that she talks about having an abortion when she was, I believe, just 19 and uh, with Justin Timberlake. Not, you know, not a good week for Justin Timberlake. There are a lot of funny TikToks about like Justin Timberlake having a, a difficult time dealing with being thrown into the spotlight again. This clip of Michelle Williams reading Britney's new book is sending me. His band in sync was what people back then called so pimp. They were white boys, but they loved hip hop. To me, that's what separated them from the Backstreet Boys, who seemed very consciously to position themselves as a white group. In sync hung out with black artists. Sometimes I thought they tried too hard to fit in. One day, Jay and I were in New York, going to parts of town I'd never been to before. Walking our way was a guy with a huge, blinged-out medallion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said so loud, Oh yeah, foshes, foshes, genuine, what's up, homie? After genuine walked away, Felicia did an impression of Jay. Oh yeah, foshes, foshes, genuine. Jay wasn't even embarrassed. He just took it and looked at her like, okay, fuck you. But it's her truth and it's her story and everyone has the right to tell their story. And um, the revelation of her having an abortion at 19 and, you know, look, I it's hard to have a kid at any age, 19. And in that moment, it was going to be a challenge and he wasn't ready to be a father, but it also should be the, the woman's choice. Uh, it's always got to be the woman's choice. And it seems like things were never really Britney's choice is what I'm sort of gathering from a lot of the things we've seen over the years. So, you know, while she went and did it and eventually went along with it, it was at the request of her boyfriend at the time that she got an abortion. And she did not have an easy time with it. And um, she talks a lot about it. And obviously in this moment in time, especially this moment in time, it's wrought for a man to be looked upon as somebody who pressured a woman into anything. So um, Godspeed to JT for what's going to happen as more of people read the book and come after him for pressuring Brittany. And I'm sure there are other sides of the story, but she talks about it pretty openly again, I haven't read it. I've only read the excerpts. I will be reading this book this week. But she has this song called Every Time and it's really beautiful. And the video, which I got, this is like from, I mean, it could be like 20 years ago at this point, starred Stephen Dorff, who, as I clarify in my newsletter, is literally a red flag and therefore somebody that I've obviously had the hots for for a long time. And I, I even say, Alexa, show me a picture of a red flag and a picture of Stephen Dorff appears after that. He's in it. It's a beautiful video um, sort of detailing her life as a pop star being attacked by paparazzi and not having any privacy. And then she and her partner, Stephen Dorff, go back to the hotel and have a fight. And she goes into the tub and unclear, but she has sort of a, a injury on her head that may have come from the fight 
and we don't really see that, but it alludes to the fact that she starts to lose consciousness and goes into the tub. And then we see her in the hospital and they're trying to bring her back to life. But then there's a woman giving birth to a baby and Brittany is standing by that woman. And then what you see at the end of the video is Brittany's holding her abdomen as this baby is in this woman's arms there. So she explains it's about the loss of that child and how she's haunted by it, but nobody picked up on it until now. And now you go back and look at the video, which we'll put into the show notes and it's haunting and it's sad. And this poor girl, I mean, this poor, poor girl, I remember there are a few things. I have a really weird memory, like some things I, I have zero recall on that are pretty significant, monumental things in other people's lives that were with me that were like, how do you not remember, you know, like being pulled up on stage by so-and-so I like don't remember was you sure it was me then there are other really weird things that I I remember and I remember exactly where I was when I saw the video when we like like the equivalent again we didn't have high-speed internet at this time but the video of her being filmed in the hair salon getting her hair buzzed off. Like I remember where I was. I remember being in the startup that I was working at in San Francisco. And we all were guilty of the sort of consumption of that. That was the beginning of that crazy paparazzi time. That was the time. I mean, it was the beginning. It was sort of the heart of it. Diana had died from the paparazzi. You have to understand is there was no daily mail or social media. So these people's livelihoods, these people being paparazzi were because this was the celebrity culture was just at a, at a high in the late nineties and early aughts, celebrity culture was at a high and the driver of those were the tabloids, whether it was Murdoch owned tabloids or like the us weeklies. Um, and it started like we had these really, really bad tabloids, like back in the day, like, oh, what was it called? Um, the national Enquirer. I don't even know if that exists anymore where it would be like Elvis is alive or like Elvis and JFK or having dinner in Vegas, like all of these really crazy things. But then that turned more into actual celebrity sightings, celebrities out at clubs, celebrities behaving badly, things like that. And the paparazzi were getting paid a ton of money for photographs and the more money for a star acting badly, lashing out. So they were motivated to sort of surround them and attack them and get them frustrated. So they'd get that money shot. It's, it's wild. I mean, we have paparazzi now, obviously, but it's not even remotely what it was like. And I'm sure it is for some people like, you know, the, 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 the highest of echelons of people, whether it's like a Harry and Megan or a Harry Styles or Britney, but it's much different because it's now a lot of it is free. The paparazzi did not get paid the same way that they did when there was much more limited sort of resources for the public to get access to. So you had to buy these magazines or newspapers or tabloids to really get it. And even the internet was still just at its nascent stages of sort of gossip, but you had the gawkers and you had the Perez Hiltons and you, and you had the TMZs and they were the bane of stars existence and they got into a lot of trouble and evading, invading privacy and breaking stories and paying a lot for pictures. So Brittany, who a friend of mine, Rob, who listens to this podcast referred to as sort of like the Elizabeth Taylor of our generation. I, I don't disagree. I mean, she was somebody we were fascinated with by every, every inch of her, every move she made, every man she dated. She's beautiful. I mean, she was just this breathtaking figure. If you, you know, what she's become today is very, very sad, but 
she's she's taking control as much as as she can, I think, in her life. And that's with a very troubled family, a lot of people who took advantage of her mental illness, whether that came as a result of being in that spotlight in that world for so long, or whether that was just always going to be there. Who's to say she's incredible, incredibly talented. And I'm so proud of anybody who is able to use their voice and share their story. It's incredibly terrifying to be that vulnerable and to be that open. She came out on Instagram to say that she was disheartened by the sort of stories about her looking to get revenge. So let me just read you what she wrote on Instagram. I don't even know if it's still there. She takes things off and on very quickly. I mean, her Instagram is chaos. So I will say props to the editor. I know the editor of this book. Props to this genius editor because I imagine being able to put all of those stories together in a cohesive way in this moment in time were probably very challenging. But Brittany posted on Instagram, my book's purpose was not to offend anyone by any means. That was me then. That is in the past. I don't like the headlines I'm reading. That's exactly why I quit the business four years ago. Most of the book is from 20 years ago. I have moved on and it's a beautiful clean slate from here. I am here to establish it that way for the rest of my entire life. Either way, that is the last of it and shit happens. This is actually a book I didn't know needed to be written. Although some might be offended, it has given me closure on all things for a better future. Hopefully I can enlighten people who feel particularly alone in most cases or hurt or misunderstood. Again, my motive for this book was not to harp on my past experiences, which is what the press is doing. And it's dumb and silly. I have moved on since then. Hashtag the woman in me. I mean, obviously the press are going to latch onto the little breadcrumbs they've been given. So those were some of the breadcrumbs, the abortion, um, which she is quoted in the book as saying, to this day, it's one of the most agonizing things I've ever experienced in my life. So, you know, it's, it's so sad. And I am excited to sort of see what more is being said and what more she reveals. And, you know, we'll, we'll see because that book, I'm going to read it in my, to have my voice hear it or read it, I guess. But I also am going to listen to Michelle's reading of it. Is that too much? Is that, that's like probably a lot of Brittany, but I got a new car. I'm really excited. Um, shout out to CarBlip, which by the way is like the most LA thing in the world. I mean, when I bought a car in New York, I went to the dealer. I like came armed with a script. I was not going to be bullied into anything. The guy obviously was a misogynist and talking to me like, where's your husband, whatever. But I was very proud of the fact that I bought a car. I spent days, you know, going to different dealers and working on a deal, da, 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 da. In LA, they have, and I guess it's global, I mean, it's all over the country, but it's also a new year, but there are these car concierge guys and car blip is the, is this great company and, and shout out to Eric, who's the founder, but like he helped me get my Jeep Wrangler three years ago. And then last week I was like, Ooh, I, it's like my, I have a lease, which is also, I don't understand. I, it's an LA thing. Like never in my life did I lease a car. I don't even know what it means, but, um, I lease, I guess that's an LA thing. People just like you trade in your car after three years. So I was like, Oh, my lease is up. Like, what do I do? Does somebody come and take my car away? Like, what are the rules? And he's like, well, you can keep the car, you can get a new car and da, 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 da. But everything is so expensive. 
And I like a big car. I like a Jeep. I love a Jeep, actually. I just, they are so reliable. They are fun. People wave at each other. People give me ducks. I have so many rubber ducks now from this whole Jeep ducking, which is Google it. It's a thing. And I'm like literally collecting them. I have an entire army of rubber ducks in all different sizes. I need to start giving ducks to Jeep owners. So I was like, at the end of the day, I want another Jeep. And now I have a new Jeep. Like the guy's like, okay, the Jeep's here. I, I don't understand. So I had my car delivered to my house today and they then took my old car, which was really... I was very sentimental. I, I have a weird problem. Like I was like my Jeep, did, did she know this was her last day at my house? Like, is she going to go to a good home? Is she going to be okay? It's a fucking car. But anyway, the car is electric. Well, it's hybrid. And I'm really excited about that because I'm not ready for full electric because of the anxiety. I have anxiety about like not being able to charge it fast enough or find a charging place or having the patience for the charge. I'm just that girl. So a hybrid really meets like my mental state right now. Like I can do, I can save some money. I can do electric. I can also do gas. Like we're good. Anyway, she's pretty. She's dark green. She's real pretty. And I'm going to listen to the audible in that car bopping around LA over the next couple of weeks with Michelle Williams reading it. So we will report back, but all of us should just write our truths and God bless those men who have scorned us. Just watch out, guys. Watch out. Some other fun things were going around. I, I put a lot of clips in SNL. I don't always do it. It does feel this week a little bit like an SNL roundup, but it was a really interesting SNL. Like, I have to say, you know, they're really leaning into the Latino side of the world, which is massive and an audience they, I think, historically have not paid a lot of attention to. And they have a Hispanic comedian on the main cast and they had Bad Bunny host this past week. And Bad Bunny is Puerto Rican and English is not his first language. And he was great. He was really, really great. But they had these reinforcements to help him along the way. And not that he needed it, but he actually added really, really great, great skits. And one was Mick Jagger. And Mick Jagger was hilarious. And Mick Jagger is 80 years old and still sexy as all hell. And I shared a little brief little story about my my experience with Mick. There were a couple of things. There was a really funny, I was at a dinner party with him a few years ago, as one does, but I've had a couple of experiences with him. He wouldn't know me literally from Adam. It's not like he's gonna be like, oh yeah, I remember that girl, Brooke. It was a dinner party with like 20 people. I was the only non-famous person at this dinner, except for one other friend, a woman who's become a dear friend. And I did, at my first interaction with him was this young woman. She must have been like 25 and Mick was very enamored by her. Uh, I believe he was sort of on a break from his girlfriend. Let's just say that allegedly. Um, but he was very enamored with this young woman who was American and we were in London and I became very protective of her cause she's, she's like the most beautiful woman and she looked like Ali McGraw and I could tell that he was just, you know, gung ho about her. And I approached her and I was like, are you okay? And da da da. And she's like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. It turned out this woman, Julie, who's one of my dear friends was older than me. And she's older than me. And so I, which I'm old, um, not that Julie's old, but she looked like she, I swear to God, I thought I was protecting a 25 year old from rock star. And this girl, like 
did not need any protection. She's a former rock star herself. She just happens to be stunningly beautiful and look like clearly frozen in time. But then secondly, we were at this beautiful table. It was this long table. And Mick was like one person away from me. It was so, I mean, if I could tell you all the people at this table, it was insane. Uh, but Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger was not even the most famous person at that table, but certainly one of them. But it was in a friend's kitchen, like long table, like that had added tables to it. Big kitchen, country English kitchen. And it was very low. What's the word? It wasn't very formal. It wasn't formal at all. It wasn't, it was like, like the dinner was all set up. You went and got your food, sat down at the table. There wasn't like a ton of staff. It was really low key is what I was looking for that term. And so at the end, when people finished, Mick came by and he's like, can I take your plate, love? He was clearing dishes. He was clearing dishes and bringing them to the sink. Like, I'm sorry. It was the sexiest thing ever. I like melted. I was like, oh my God, you're Mick Jagger and you're clearing my plate. Thank you. I was like, yes, sir, Mick, you may take my plate. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. So he is something. And his band has a new album out, his band, The Rolling Stones. They're 80 years old. They have another album in them, apparently, according to Keith. It's really, it's amazing that they are making music and, and putting out rock and roll. And we need that. Um, the other, the other guest to, to sort of amplify Bad Bunny and to translate, which was funny, Bad Bunny, was Pedro Pascal. As you know, like all of our boyfriends, we love him. No one funnier. They are so good together. They had such a good rapport and they spoke Spanish and then Pedro would translate. It was just, it was amazing. I loved it. So highly recommend and good for SNL for expanding their horizons. And then a little bit of this sort of, there's a bunch of stuff that happened in socials, but you know, obviously Taylor and Travis are really in fuego. They, I mean, she's been going to every single game. She was there again in Kansas City and they're leaning into it and he's being really open and talking about it on his podcast with his brother. So I don't know, guys, I have to tell you, I have a real, I, I love them together. I don't care the skeptics saying that this is, you know, this is all for business reasons and it's not real, like whatever. I don't care. I don't think that's true. I happen to think that they're perfect for each other and I hope they get married and have babies. That's my two cents on them. I love them. He's so handsome and he's like, they're, the TikTokers are analyzing how they hold hands, which they're not wrong. Like all of the other guys in her life, they've held the hand, like hand over the hands and she and Travis are interlaced fingers, which you know, of course the TikTokers are like, this indicates like real true love and not control and not, you know, sort of resentment or trying to protect. It's like real partnership. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I sort of buy into that theory. I totally do. I totally do. There's also some rumors going around. I have not dug around into it that Taylor has um, a spy novel out with under a, a fake name. So let's keep an eye on that, shall we? Because like, is there anything Taylor, Taylor Swift can't do? Like if she wrote a spy novel under a different name, would that surprise me? Not in the least, like literally not in the least. And I'm all for it. Like this girl's prolific. So uh, let her be like a John le Carre of the generation here for it. There was a beautiful little story. I don't know how it's played out. We have to see, but that came out in Mykonos and there was this creator that 
posted a video of her dancing at a club in Mykonos and then sort of time stopped as this guy, I think he worked at the bar, sort of peered into the camera, got into the view and sort of locked eyes with her and they had music playing and it just was really edited well. And then she's giving an update to the followers like... There is no update. I don't know where he is, but like, if you're watching this, like find me and tells the internet to do its thing. And everybody was invested. Like people are like, oh my God, these guys have to find each other because these eyes, they locked, like it's turned into slow-mo and the song playing, everything was so perfect. And you're just like, you know, that moment, like maybe they met their person. Maybe it was all captured on camera and then all of a sudden he does a stitch with the video and he's like hi I'm here and everybody goes crazy and everybody started you know uh, sort of stitching that video or or duetting that video and being like we're invested we're invested it went far and wide and then the last I saw he like went to her hotel her hotel to find her but it remains unclear to me. I have to say I've been a little preoccupied on other things to follow up on that, but I'm sure I will have a follow up in Monday's newsletter. So that's really like the pop culture stuff I I can get my head wrapped around. I have to tell you there's other terrible pop culture stuff. And that is, you know, again, we've talked about it here, but pop culture is not always fun, silly, bubblegum and butterflies. Pop culture is what's popular in the culture moment. And it could be tragic or it could be horrible and it could be hateful. And right now, you know, we are being inundated with a lot of this confusing messaging out there about anti- Israel, uh, anti-Semitic uh, stuff. You have Sean King, this piece of shit. And I say that like with every power of my being, who is an activist and I guess was, you know, the BLM, I don't know if he was founder, but part of it. And he's decided to put him right squarely in the center of this. He is very much anti-Israel, very much pro-Palestinian. And I'm going to get to that, but he somehow has made it his thing to say that he was responsible for freeing the, the first hostage that was on him. And he's taking full credit. Whereas the family has discredited that and was like, we don't, know who this person is or why this person is trying to put himself in the center of a very personal and devastating moment in our lives. So people like that are terrible. The schools, what's happening at schools. And like, I think there's just so much ignorance and confusion in my last pod. We talked about it. Like it is okay to be, you know, against Hamas and against what happened in Israel and against the Israeli government. Like they're not, it's not a political thing. What happened, what happened on October 7th was a disgusting, horrible, brutal tragedy done by crazed, brainwashed terrorists who were probably, you know, just starved and fed amphetamines and told that these people weren't humans and they were monsters. Their whole lives were spent about, you know, destroying and killing Jews, babies, women, grandmothers. And we have it all on video. There is no dispute. This is like anybody saying this is orchestrated as a as theater is crazy. And so we can be against what BB's policies are. I am. I am. I find I find BB to be a disgusting human being, a terrible leader, and I hope he goes. And I hope that Israel's politics change. That does not mean that I believe 
they deserved in any way what happened. No one deserves that. No one. I also think there's so much confusion about how Gaza, let's forget about the West Bank. I'm not talking about that. I am talking specifically about Gaza. And Gaza is not controlled by Israel. Gaza and Israel does not control Gaza's water, by the way. There's all these reports about how they turned off the water. They have, I believe it's between seven and 10% of the water supply comes from Israel and electricity, by the way. It is controlled by Hamas. It is controlled. They have all of that supplied, but Hamas is, is limiting it to its own people. They want to keep their people afraid and angry and terrorized. And it's awful. There was all this misinformation, as we know, about the hospital and the media companies handling it. It's all social media. They're the first to report. And, you know, it doesn't matter if we're right. We just have to be first. This is a terrible, terrible, terrible situation we're in. And then, of course, it gives everybody the freedom to just go crazy. And then you have to it's really hard to put the genie back in the bottle with misinformation. So The New York Times comes out and makes it seem like, you know, Israel attacked a hospital in Gaza and you already have a very delicate moment where people are becoming, you know, vocal with their anti-Semitism and that just gave them more fuel. It turned out not to be true, but it's taken weeks for them to like, they just issued a statement about it. Um, I am a believer. I, somebody tweeted this or whatever, posted it a week ago. Like I miss the Walter Cronkite days when like we would wait till the news was reported and we would get it at a set time every night, but it wasn't constant. There's so much room for error now. Everybody's moving. If it's like, if you're not first, you're last is Ricky Bobby said, and that shouldn't be the case with news. It's like we can report in real time a hospital has been hit or it looks like a hospital has been hit, but you cannot report that just because you're being fed information by a terrorist propaganda organization should perhaps not be what you report on. Like, don't take that as fact. So I think, um, interestingly, Ziggy Marley posted to me that one of the most meaningful Instagrams that said everything. And it, it was his hand up. I believe it was his hand in a fist with his bracelets on. And it said, free Gaza from Hamas. And that's the right message. You Again, you can have both. Like It is terrible that innocent civilians in Gaza are suffering as a result of this attack. And they are products of a war and it's terrible, but Israel has a right to defend itself. If they don't defend themselves, if they don't defend themselves, they will be eradicated because that is the mission. Hamas's mission is not, it's not about land. It's about destroying the Jewish people. It's about nobody Jewish should remain alive. And that is permeating this mindset around the world. And we are hearing so many cases of anti-Semitism. I was walking in New York last week and there was a protest happening in Washington Square Park and there were people walking around with Palestinian flags around them and thinking it's funny, like death to Jews, like it's funny. And I'm like, this is, this can't, this is 2023. I cannot believe this is happening. And I know there are some people, some Jewish friends who are scared to show their Jewishness, where they're Star of David, where they're Hamsa, like whatnot. And then there are others that are like, this is where we have to lean into it more and more and more. But I do want to just end on this note around the hostages, because this is not a political conversation. The hostages that are being brutalized and held in captivity in Gaza are innocent civilians who were, you know, have been faced with all kinds of horrors. We've had a few released, but every single hostage needs to be released. That's just the way it has to be. And it's not a political 
saying this is not about politics. This is about humanity. I mean, it truly, truly is. And there is a hashtag going around and I encourage you all to use it again. This is not about taking sides. This is about humanity. We should not live in a world where people are taken hostage and taken away from their homes and their children and their parents and ripped out of their homes in violent, horrible ways and kept imprisoned. And so the hashtag is no hostage left behind. And again, this message is it's not about politics. This is about humanity. It's about returning these innocent civilians to their families immediately, like immediately. They can figure out the rest of the shit, but there should be no delay. And all of these organizations, whether it's Red Cross or others, need to step in and facilitate that. The UN is disgusting right now. So the head of the UN even implying that this is somehow brought on by Israel is disgusting. One of the one of the family members of a missing said, there is no good morning or good night right now. It's just morning and night. And another one said, I'm here with very little power, but I have to tell our story. And that's what is important. Listen to these stories of the hostages. Get to know who's been taken. There's children. There's a woman who just gave birth while it, you know, being held hostage. There are babies that don't eat regular food that are on baby formula. How are they being fed? There are injured. There, all of these people, there are people that love hip hop and they write comedy and they love math and they are peaceful. Uh, Many of these people, which I will say that I learned from, um, the families that people that live close to Gaza are really, really, really peaceful people. They are there for a reason. They believe in peace. They organize these events with people on the other side. They do these kites. If you've heard of that, where they fly kites and, and people in Gaza and people on the Israel side fly kites with one another. And a lot of the people that were taken from the kibbutz that is near the, the Gaza border our, our peaceful people are actually very left and very much uh, about unifying the world. So the irony here is is too much. So I ask from a pop culture perspective, you know, whether or not you feel comfortable sharing, if you have a voice on, on social, share. This is not a political thing. This is about the lives of these innocent people. And no hostage should be, you know... Uh, remaining in captivity. It just shouldn't be the way we are living this life. So please consider posting if you feel comfortable and using the hashtag no hostage left behind or sharing what you see with your own communities, whether that's on social media or just internally. We can all agree on that, right? We can, everybody can put their politics in one box or another, but I do think we as a people need to remember humanity and humanity is bring children back to their mothers, bring mothers back to their husbands, bring husbands back to their families, bring grandmothers back to their grandchildren. So with that, I haven't done a Mary make out mute in a while, but let's, let's give it a go. I would definitely, I would marry Travis and Taylor. I just want to be in that marriage. I would love them. I mean, again, this is not a sexual thing. It's a, I just want to be married to them. I think it would be fun. I think they're going to have a lot of fun. I hope they get married and have babies. And this is very weird because I'm not a traditionalist, but I'm very, I'm really hoping that for them. I just love them. I think they spark joy and we need a little joy um, in our lives right now. Make out 
I'm going to make out with all of the people who are dedicating their lives right now to helping get these hostages back, who are helping counter the misinformation out there, the people who are working tirelessly to change anti-Semitism, the views of people, however they do it. I am going to want to make out with all the people going to the platforms and, and demanding you know, anti-Semitic and hateful messages and posts get taken down except for X because that won't ever happen. And I mute all the anti-Semites. I mean, I really, really do. It is, this is not a, it's, there's never a time, but the fact that this attack is being turned around on innocent people is bananas. So I mute you and you have lost your sense of humanity if you ever had it. And that is it, my darlings. We'll be back next week. I don't know if we'll have a guest. I can barely see an hour ahead of me at this point in time. I don't know if any of your sleep is affected. Mine has been. I've been tossing and turning and up at like all hours of the morning and trying not to look at the news at three in the morning, but inevitably I do to see if anything has happened overnight. So I'm going to try to get some sleep and I'll see you guys next week. Pop culture.